Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Tonight, only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift Vieira's Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Streaming tonight only on Disney Plus. Hey guys, Frank here, and now that August is upon us, uh, Gilbert and I are going to take some weeks off, some uh, much-needed weeks off, a much-needed break, and present some of our favorite episodes from the past seven years. We've got some great ones for you. Now, 30 years ago, this very month, August of 1991, a subversive little animated show called The Ren and Stimpy Show premiered on Nickelodeon, and that is when I first became keenly aware of a versatile talent by the name of Billy West. Now, Billy, of course, made his mark on many shows, The Howard Stern Show and, of course, Futurama some years later, but Billy, man of a thousand voices, He's also become a staple and a much-loved guest on this very podcast. He's done three episodes for us and uh, is always uh, listed among fan favorites. Now, this particular episode is his is Billy West Returns, his second episode from back in 2018. And this is a personal favorite of mine and of Gilbert's. We're going to rerun this one. We get a lot of requests for it. A lot of people talk about it. We had the time of our lives. Uh, doing this one. So sit back and enjoy this encore episode from 2018 with Stimpy the Cat, Philip J. Fry, Marge Schott, Dr. Zoidberg, and of course the Jackie Puppet, our pal Billy West. Enjoy. Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre, and we're once again recording at Nutmeg with our engineer, Frank Verderosa. Our guest this week is an amazing colossal fan favorite, and so he's back for a return engagement. And also, we just like hanging out with him. He's a musician, comedian, radio, radio personality, and one of the most versatile, accomplished, and gifted voice actors in the history of popular entertainment, appearing in films, television series, TV commercials, and video games. As a musician, he's worked with and performed alongside such icons as Lou Reed, Debbie Harry, Roy Orbison, Los Lobos, and Brian Wilson, among others. And of course, you know his voice work from the features 
Furious George, Rugrats in Paris, Cats and Dogs, Garfield the Movie, Looney Tunes back in action, and Space Jam, and dozens of TV shows, including Ren and Stimpy, Doug, Beanie, and Cecil, uh, Duckman, King of the Hill, Hysteria, Fortune, uh, uh, Fortune, <laughs> just say anything I was in, like it happened one night. <laughs> Looney Tunes and The Simpsons, to name a few. Among his character, he's given voice to Stimpy the Cat. You want to take that one again and we'll edit it. Among, Among the, the characters, characters. <laughs> he's given voice to <laughs> are Stimpy the Cat, Elmer Fudd, Bugs Bunny, Shaggy, Slimmer, Slimer, Slimer, <laughs> Popeye, Woody Woodpecker, Muttley, Buzz the Bee, Fry, Professor Fonsworth, Dr. Zoyberg, and the Red M&M. From 1989 through 1995, he served as a guest performer on the Howard Stern Show. I'm sick of me. Uh, yes. <laughs> I, I've heard of the Howard Stern Show. <laughs> I, I, have vague re- I have vague recollections of one time appearing on it. And providing hilarious, dead-on impressions Ugh. of celebrities such as Lucille Ball, Raymond Burr, Adolf Mancio. Adolf Mancio. Francis Town. Don Knotts. Frank Jay Fontaine. And yes, Jackie Martling and the Jackie Puppet. Please welcome back to the show an artist of many talents and a man who says... That he stopped going to church when he discovered the Three Stooges. Our old friend, Billy West. Old. Hey, you know what? I'm sick of me. You read, you read, it was nice of you to read all the stuff they told you to read. <laughs> Nobody told him, Bill. What do you mean? Now, he was a member of the smiling sons of the friendly shillelaghs in Boston. <laughs> Now you, you were raised in a kind of bigoted upbringing. Um, like one time you were a little kid watching the Three Stooges. Oh, and can you tell us that story? Well, my mom came in the room, and and mind you, when we were watching them when I was a kid, they were already like old. We just yeah. didn't know it. We're watching these fireballs beating each other up. And my mother would come in. How can you watch those awful men? Well, that's the Three Stooges, Mom. Oh, oh, they're hor- they're terrible, and they're Jewish. <laughs> uh, and uh, another time, I think you were sitting with your father, and you were watching Lola Falana. Uh, Lola Falana. <laughs> And and you said, you know, she was uh, an attractive black 
song and dance woman. And you said something like, she's pretty. Mm-hmm. And my dad said, what are you, what are you thinking about? Love? L-O-V-E? No, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I'd go out with somebody like that. Look, does a bee go out with a fly? <laughs> Sometimes. Nowadays they do, Dad. My dear dead dad, you pile of bones. Them bones, them bones, them dry bones, Dad. Oh. Bill, welcome so, back. Oh, thank you very much, you guys. I'm really happy to sit here, and I hope uh, I can rise to the occasion. The show. You know, go ahead, go ahead. It's. I was just thinking, I started to tell Gilbert before we got rolling, that Stan Freeberg produced these big, big budget commercials for soups and mm-hmm. stuff in the 60s, and he... He told me once, he said, oh, it's murder being funny. You know, I said, what do you mean? He goes, you know, whenever there's a disaster, all your friends just turn and look at you like, what do you think, Mr. Funny? (laughs) You know, and I thought about that, that no one can ever do that to Gilbert. That's true. You know, I mean, you've never had a comedian probably come up to you and go, is that yours? You know what I mean? They're always like, is that yours? Is that yours? Can I use that? <laughs> you can't. No one could take anything because you're the only one who can say it. We have to do victimless comedy now. I guess nobody told Gilbert that. <laughs> I was going to say, unlike Stan Freeberg, Gilbert is unmoved and untouched by tragedies. Yes. <laughs> I mean, what are, you, what are you supposed to say if you're one of those like wise guys, except if you have to go near a stage, you choke. So you always are funny or wacky or fearless when, every, when your friends are around you and... And you, you look at them when you say, uh, you know, what? What, that the astronauts look like uh, burnt marshmallows on a George Foreman grill? What? <laughs> too, too, too late? <laughs> <laughs> too late? What? Do you, <laughs> go ahead, Gil. And you, you had dealings, of course, with the great... Al Grandpa Lewis. I heard you guys doing it before I got in the yes, booth. Yes, <laughs> I, missed, I was missing out. Yeah, yeah. Herman, come over here. Why don't you uh, pretend to be an astronaut, uh, Grandpa? Yeah, okay. Over and out, Roger. Where's the powdered blood? <laughs> they put Tang here. <laughs> the space drink. <laughs> Were you, did I hear you doing? I heard you talking on a podcast about bad ADR. I think you were on the Nerdist. You were talking about oh. the, the days of bad ADR, and you cited oh. that example of when they're when Herman and Grandpa get locked in the bank vault. Yeah, some some nervous Nelly goes. There's got to be more dialogue happening there. Well, that's too bad they're gone, you know. And he said, maybe we can get Al to come in here in this closet, this booth, which was nothing like where they recorded it. <laughs> so it's always like you know, um, Herman. I think something bad is going to happen to us. And then you hear, look what you did, you big dummy. You locked us in the bank vault. (laughs) (laughs) That they dubbed in, but no one cared about continuity or room tone or nothing. (laughs) There are, to this day, sometimes you'll hear, uh, uh, you know, dialogue come into the scene. And before they even speak, you could tell that the tone of the room is completely off. Oh, they didn't care. They knew, see, 
Fred Gwynn knew comedy wasn't pure. He knew. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Lonnie, is comedy pure? <laughs> I'm going to make you tell the yeah, story. Yeah, Herman, I got a funny joke for you. Yeah. What do you, what do you call the definition of a smartass? A fellow that can sit on an ice cream cone and tell you what flavor it is, you big dummy. <laughs> I'm telling jokes. I'm doing with the shtickloch already here. You, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot, Bill, and ask you to tell that wonderful story since we're, we're on Al Lewis. This quickly. It's going to try to save him for the end, but it's too good. We have to get to him. That wonderful story you told yeah. where you were you were spending yeah. time with him at Grandpa's Restaurant on Bleecker Street. Yeah. yeah. I ran that Grandpa's Bella Giante. Yeah. No. <clears throat> It was uh, there was an Italian restaurant in the lower east side, or was it Grand yeah, on, Bleaker Street, on Bleaker Street in the village? Yeah. I Bleaker used Street. to pass by there yeah. all the time. They had that caricature yep, of, yep, of him, of, of him. But next to that would be him because he wasn't cooking. He used to stand out front with one of those. You remember those little cigars that were dipped in wine? They're they're called crooks. Yeah, crooks. <laughs> yeah, I smoke them. Because they're rancid. <laughs> so uh, so anyway, um, there was two things that happened that day. He was standing there like a cigar store Indian. He wouldn't look or say anything. He looked straight ahead. And a couple of black guys come by and they go, hmm. And they turn around and they go, damn, you're a monster. You know, and he just would, yeah. Tell me something I don't know. <laughs> Damn! <laughs> Damn! <laughs> he spoke. He spoke wise to us. So um, uh, I go in and and I had a nice meal there, and he was not quite holding court. He was just sort of sitting at a table, and there was there was this couple with a little girl, and they said to her, "Go over and ask him where he lives," and she said, "Okay." And the little girl goes over and says. 1313 Mockingbird Lane. And she ran screaming away from him. And she said, you know, she said, he's scaring me. And then he looks at me and he goes, women. (laughs) (laughs) He was something else. He was such a great, great guy. And I heard that restaurant, it wasn't (laughs) so much that he was an actual manager or owner. He was the greeter. Yeah. He was like the PR of the place. Yeah. He was the, he was the public relations. He was like a mob joint. Yeah. And he was just, they slapped <laughs> his name on as a recognizable celebrity. Yeah, he was Vic Damone, you know, like at the Italian restaurants. <laughs> you know, they bring in some guy like that to just pretend he owns it. <laughs> Did you you spent a lot of time with him when when he was on Howard? Yes. Yeah. Um, I knew him through someone else though. It wasn't from Howard's show. Okay. And then when I got to sit with him a couple of times, I I was dying. I was with the bolo ties and the yeah. But he to... was talking about marriage. Yeah, yeah. I love I love these little chippies. You know, you marry them and you get them in the old slow moan on them satin sheets over in Roosevelt Island. You know. <laughs> And uh, and he took me and a bunch of other people to dinner, and he uh, he said, "I got dinner," and he and he pays with a credit card, 
And then he just collects from everybody the cash and just puts it in his pocket because he doesn't know if he's going to be alive the next day to pay the credit <laughs> oh card God. bill. And he looks at me, and I was looking at him like, you son of a gun. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's how I operate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, my favorite Al Lewis story was uh, Al Goldstein from Squirrel Magazine <laughs> used to throw big brunches mm-hmm. when he still had money, and he invited me a few times. One time I was sitting with Al Lewis, and he's there with the smelly cigar the brown teeth, the, 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 country, uh, West, the country western, the country yeah. western, yeah. the wiry hair, yeah, and 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 Al Goldstein, hop saying, along Catskill, yeah, yes, <laughs> and Al Goldstein is talking. He goes, "I'm I'm starting a new magazine, and every month we're gonna have celebrity interviews." This month is Penn and Teller. And, and Al Lewis turns to me and he goes, Oh, this month? And I said, Penn and Teller. And he shakes, he waves his hand dismissively and disgustedly and goes, Piece of that shit. <laughs> he didn't like anybody. He probably loved you, but... I think he liked me because I because I would talk about old days and he said, you know, when I go into that Stern show, nobody has any talent in there. Zippo. None. <laughs> he said, I come from the old days when in vaudeville, you know about vaudeville? When they had a performer, a black dancer named Peg Leg Bates. Oh, you should have seen Peg. He could dance on bongos and congers. Yeah, that's talent. And and jump off and spin around on his silver leg. You know, it was just, it was so much craziness that to listen to, he was the real deal. Yes. And what started that whole cowboy no one image knows. He created no for one knows. Himself. That was his style. I don't know. He was. Yeah. I know that he was a talent scout once for the NBA. Yeah, he knew. He knew basketball quite well. Yeah, and he discovered um, Lou Alcindor. Yeah, but Jabbar. Yeah, yeah. But that whole cowboy look, and he even spoke with a cowboy accent. Oh and yeah, he'd <laughs> say that. Yeah, that Jackie with his corn pone humor. <laughs> <laughs> Jackie Marling. I, I don't assume everybody knows who Jackie is. Yes, we had Jackie here on the show. Oh, you did? We had Jackie twice. Yeah. He's fun. Her ass was so sweet. I thought I was going to get diabetes. <laughs> Why would anybody want to be funny? Why don't you people laugh? <laughs> the puppet. I did the puppet. Oh, I, I, the I puppet. just did a whole different spent, you know, party voice for that. I miss the puppet, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. That was I'm not getting sh- any laughs. No laughs. Oh, shit. I think I'll throw myself in the fireplace. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I remember that was a scary looking puppet. Yeah. <laughs> it was frightening. Well, it was sardonic, you know? Yeah. It, it just had this this evil grin 
printed on its face, and it, and it was a plaster head, so it just it would chip, you know. But nothing made it look good, you know. You, you could repaint his head, and it would still look like. <laughs> we love now, Jackie. Didn't they? Didn't I love him. Someone's the best. Didn't someone send in uh, a Robin Quivers ventriloquist dummy too? I don't remember that. I don't. I don't think if they did, they never brought it out for you know uh, exposition. Yeah. And I remember the last time we spoke, I you know I always recognized Georgie Jessel in your Doctor Zoidberg. <laughs> yes. Also, it was a mixture. You said of um, Lou Jacoby. Oh yeah. Everybody who doesn't know what we're talking about, he started in Yiddish theater way down in the Lower East Side. Um, Diary and, of Anne uh, Frank. Oh, he was in Diary of yes, Anne Frank. Yes, I can see I him know. in that. I stole from the children. You want to hear it? I did. I stole from the children. Poor Anne. Poor Anne. And now the crowds have her. I got problems. <laughs> he was it didn't, he was it terrific, Lujic. Funny guy. Remember he him was. on the Dean Martin Mem- Variety Show with Kay Medford? Remember him on there, Bill? Yeah, Kay Medford. Yeah. <laughs> she was wonderful. She was very funny. You know what? He was good um, in the Alpine Lace uh, Deli Meats yes. commercial. Oh, yes. 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 Yeah, he was like some butcher, and he comes over and he goes, I think what you're eating gives you too much cholesterol. <laughs> cholesterol. And uh, and he would say, I want you to eat alpine lace cheese because I care about what you eat. And you, and you, and you. Well, well, you didn't have to be able to do too much back then. I guess to get, be in show business, you had to have grass stains and a, and a number two pencil or something. But what along along the lines of what Gilbert was was asking, how did Zoidberg become a combination of Lou Jacoby and and Jessel? Were you just fooling around with different voices? Yeah, I was. Yeah, because uh, the character had all this junk hanging off of his face, and I thought, well, you know, he wouldn't be able to to speak too well with all this lobster meat, and mm-hmm. uh, and so uh, I just said, he would probably you know, and um, I. I took Lou Jacoby, and I, I guess I cold-fused him with George Jessel. There'll be no shenanigans in my courtroom. You know, he, his voice was a little higher. <laughs> oh, God. Here's to Eve. He, used to do, he was the Toastmaster of the United States. Sure. Or the general oh, yeah. or something. Toastmaster yeah. general. Yeah. Here's to Eve, who wore a fig leaf in the most promiscuous of places. Here's to Adam. Johnny on the spot. <laughs> when the leaves came down. No, he he was, uh, I, I just thought they were all funny, quirky people. Oh, I was watching this thing the other day and I never really saw it. I've only heard of it. Remember in every cartoon, somebody would go, oh, how do you do? Oh, yes. 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 That was the mad Russian on radio in the oh, 40s. Oh, wow. Mad Russian. Yes, Russian, meet Deanna Durbin. Oh, how do you do? You know, and he didn't even sound Russian, and he was the weirdest looking. His name was Bert Gordon. 
And uh, it, the bad rush, they even made a movie called How Do You Do? <laughs> That's like a, a one-trick pony. It sounded more Japanese than... <laughs> How do you do? <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting that you settled Look them on... up afterwards. Go and see that, and you'll never be the same after you look <laughs> at Bert Gardner. Remember the mad Russian. And and people around him would humor him like Harry Von Zell would go, Look at you, Russian. You're eating that thing like you're starving, like an Armenian. Oh, don't ever say that. <laughs> and it was supposed to be hysterically funny. People used to laugh at it, but, you know. It's got a touch of Peter Lorre in it. A, yeah, a little bit. A little bit. I've been trying to remember the name of an old uh, comedy performer whose whose catchphrase was, I miss the good old days. Wow. I don't know. Wowie. Oh, I, I don't know. I miss the good old days. Da- David, uh, not David, Drew not, Friedman. Not Dayton Allen. No. No, I was going to say Dayton Allen. Dayton Why Allen? not? <laughs> yeah. He was oh, kind of like... Dayton Allen showed up on the Monsters. He was kind of like... Dr. S- Dudley. Swedish or something. El Brendel? El Brendel! El Brendel? Who's El that? Brendel. <laughs> yeah, it's a Drew Who is that? Oh, thank God. That's a, that's thank a, God. That's a Drew Friedman special. Yeah, you're, you're the only person I could ask. <laughs> And you'd come up with El Brindle. That's it. That's that's who I was. And that was of. funny. I miss the old days. I'm yeah. so proud. And and then he was in a movie, uh, very much like Sleeper, although mm-hmm. not the least funny. <laughs> and, and he wakes up out of a deep freeze, and he's in the future where the guys are walking around with grass skirts. And I mean, it's like El, El Brendel got his own feature. El Brendel got his own, <laughs> and and much like Austin Powers, he has a son who's older than he is. Fantastic. And, yes. And so there's one part where a girl is there with a very high cut front of the dress, no cleavage, mm-hmm. and he goes. I miss the good old days. And then she turns around, and it's really low cut in the back. And he goes, Fui on the good old days. <laughs> <laughs> well, there were, there were a lot of comics with just like that one catchphrase Ooh, yes. thing. There was Eddie Lawrence, you know, the old philosopher. Hiya, pal. Yeah, you say you've been walking around your house, and it's Christmas Eve. You know, yeah, yeah. he, he What's was What's the matter, Bunky? Well, lift your head high and take a flop on the ice. <laughs> <laughs> and we've had a few on this show, like, um, 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 um what? Oh, oh, Joe. Oh, Joe, Pen- Joe Penner? No, 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 no. The one no. we had on the show who his, his whole bit was, well. Uh, oh, we had Billy Saluga. Yeah. Yeah, we had Bill Saluga, Saluga here from uh, Ray J. Oh, Johnson. Boy. Who was his whole thing was. Well, you can call me call Ray. Me Ray. Yeah. And you can call me Jay, or you can call me Jimmy, or you can call me Johnny, but yeah. you doesn't have to call me Raymond. He ran with that, man. And I know. How come we can't do that? Gilbert's got to come up with new stuff all the time. <laughs> oh, what are you kidding? So other comics can't steal it. <laughs> that yours? That yours? <laughs> it's And it was so funny because that you can call me Ray was like less than half a minute. 
and I know. he built a lifetime. He told us he bought a house. <laughs> <laughs> we had him here, Bill, a couple of weeks ago. Really? Yeah, well, also Art Matrano had the... I loved him. I loved him. We had them both here, like, within the last three months. Did you ever meet Professor Irwin Corey? Oh, yes. Well, there's a story attached to that. That was our first guest on this podcast do yeah. I ask the and history? He was, he was over 100 yeah, he was. at the time. And he always used to be funny confused. <laughs> now he was just confused. Oh, That's one way to put it. Yeah, we could, he, was a, he was a deer and he gave us his best shot, but it just wasn't usable material. So we wound up scrapping uh, the, the first episode and moving on. I remember I- going with Frank. To have a slice of pizza at the pizza store. At the pizza store, and and I was saying, uh, all right, we gave the whole podcast idea a shot, <laughs> <laughs> and then we figured out how to get guests that could bring it. Yeah, I think you were one of like our seventh or eighth guest, Bill. You were you were very early on. We're up to two hundred now. Really? Yeah, you were oh. you were in the first ten, I believe. If I got my oh, ma- my, my son, right. the big shot. So we're up to two hundred now. What about your mother? I need a shot in a Budweiser because of him. This Frank, my son, a boiler maker. I was gonna Don't say. Don't ever talk to me again. Don't darken my doorway. And. Can you oh give my us, Lord. Could you give us some of the old Lucy? I was just going to say, yeah. talking, talking about the Stern days. Oh. They really threw you. They threw that to you. They they really threw you to the wolves there. That was what, your oh. first day? Yeah. they. Um, she was in the hospital. I brought it up the day before. I said, Lucy's in Cedar sinai And he's eating. And I said, she's probably just laying there going, you know, ah. Oh, the interns are all Haitian. They're from Haiti. Oh, Ethel. Ooh. And um, and I just thought of what it must be like in there. And it's like, you know, Howard's asking her. Gilbert was there. It's saying, <laughs> saying stuff to Lucy like, did anyone ever call you Miss Testicle? <laughs> oh, that's horrible. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't you like the new comedians like uh, Gilbert Gottfried and uh, Sam Kinison? I never heard of any of them. <laughs> Why can't they do good humor like the Sid Caesars and the George Goebbels? <laughs> Pleurisy. It's like the, we talked that's about it. The stone, it was the Stone Pillow era of, of, ah, of Lucy's that's career. That's right. Yeah. But I liked the one where she was in Musso and Frank's, and uh, with, <laughs> she was in there with Ethel. They went on a Hollywood vacation. Oh, and Bill, yeah. William, William Holden's parks behind oh, them. Yes, oh, yes. yes. And Lucy yes. is going, Ethel, it's Bill Holden. <laughs> it's just funny that somebody would say that. <laughs> Bill Holden. She's on a first name basis. Bill Holden, and she was trying to like get a peek at him, and he was wise to it, and he was messing with her head. Oh, old Bill, death by gravity, Holden. Poor Bill Holden. Yeah, no, he he died. His head on the coffee table, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, he yeah. was drunk and he fell, fell back. forward or back. Death, yeah. death by gravity. That's right. <laughs> That's my new film. <laughs> you know, it's funny, Bill. You were talking about uh, finding uh, George Jessel and Lou Jacoby for for Zoidberg, and I was, you know, there's, and of course, uh, there's a little bit of Peter Lorre in 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 Wren. Yes, but there's well, a, uh, there's a proud oh, tradition ahead. of voice actors doing. Uh, favorite perform, you know, popular performers. Oh, yeah. you know, Dawes Butler was obviously doing Art Carney and yes, and, and he Yogi. was also doing um, um, Desi Arnaz for Baba Louie. right, and Wally Gator was a little bit of Ed Wynn. Yes, and everybody's done their take, like Paul Frees, um, Boris Badenov. Oh yeah, he used to do Commander Wrong Way Peach Fuzz, and he had that thing too, you know. You know, it was it was so hokey, but I loved everybody's take on it. You know, I just what, did. Wasn't Paul Fries? Didn't didn't Bert Lahr sue over Snagglepuss? I think he sued. No, that was Dawes Butler was Snagglepuss. No, I mean didn't didn't Bert Lahr sue because because of the because Exit of the stage right because of the likeness and running out the way five sooth even and no. it, I mean back then cartoon voices. And commercials, they would think nothing of doing an imitation of any celebrity. But that was Bert Lars only thing. Can you imagine sitting in a an apartment with like a naked light bulb? <laughs> you know, sitting on sitting on the stairs and hearing this new TV business with a voice that sounds like his. Exit stage right and running all the way. I didn't think Bert Lar was like effeminate like that. I just thought he was like, you know. Who's ha? Who's ha? Who's ha? And Dawes was doing a little bit of Andy Griffith with Huckleberry Hound. Oh, too. that's right. Yeah. That's right. Lum de dum dum, lum de dum dum. Oh, my darling, what's her name? You know, all that stuff. Those were my heroes, though, when I think about it. Sure. I, I had a whole gallery of heroes. It wasn't just voice people, it was uh, musicians and. Yeah. Uh, and I met a lot of them. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast after this. Tell us about June Foray, who you got to know a little bit. And you were at her service, weren't you? Yes, I was. Yeah. No, I didn't go to the service. I couldn't make oh, it. But, oh, okay. I, but I was at a special that they did for her, like a, a remembrance. And they had voice and slideshows. And, uh, we're you sorry know. we didn't get her here. Oh, you would have loved her. Yeah, because dropped the ball on that one. She was the be-all and end-all female voice of the 20th century. I, You know, it's like I can't think of anybody who had more of an impact with their characters. No, no. Like, I told her when I first met her, I, I just was in such awe that I— I became mindless, and I, I found that I was shaking her hand for more than 30 seconds— you know, while I'm saying this is such a thrill for me, and she's beginning to look at me like it's going into 40 seconds of shaking her hand, and she mm -hmm. said, "What do you like me or something?" And I go, "I just June. I when when I was a little kid, Natasha Nogudnik was my first masturbatory fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> but darling, you know, and uh, and." And I said, "I just want to take you home with me. I want to fold you in half and put you under my arm and just." Come home and talk to me, and you what know a, it was just career. you couldn't believe who you had in front of you. It's yeah. it's you know you still get that feeling, right, Gilbert? No. You ever st <laughs> I, I, the only person I've seen him get a little bit starstruck with in our in our two hundred guests was Dick Van Dyke. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
Because that's one of those people you don't believe exists. Yes. Yeah. It was um, the Dick Van Dyke show was like um, sort of a blueprint for how television shows work. I mean, sure. comedies anyway. It was, a, you know, they were sitcom writers and they had the star of the show. Um, but uh, all for all for crying out loud, buddy. And, and what does, comes the only McCoy. one I know who does Maury There's, Amsterdam, oh, yes. by the way. <laughs> Yucca Park. When Yuba plays the tuba. He, what did he, he did? Uh, oh, he goes, uh, oh, here comes Smell Cooley. Uh, do you have the comedy spot, Rob? No, this is the comedy spot, Baldy. <laughs> he point, point to his head. I love that he does Maury Amsterdam. <laughs> and you he, know was, what, he was good. Yeah. What, what's odd is like to the public, they understand like, you know, Michael Douglas doing a voiceover or, or, Jeff Goldblum, Gene yep. Hackman. But the idea, they don't, they're not aware of like all the people who aren't known in their own apartment building <laughs> who are the voices of a billion commercials. Yes. I forget. I remember when, um, <clears throat> who, which one? Sheen. Martin Sheen used to do commercials. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And go, Pepsi, the choice of a new generation. <laughs> and I used to say, what is he, what is he, you know, this was before I made any money. I said, what is he, super great? What, are they all going to make more money? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't understand that there's never enough money. I finally figured it out. You know, when you do cartoon voices, and this is interesting, you you don't do celebrity voices. You always do Gilbert Gottfried. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's, but that's the best. You don't yeah. need to be anything else but that. That's yeah. You know, there's nobody like you. There isn't. I mean, no, that's true. Unless we went back in time to El Brendel, you know. <laughs> yeah, El Brendel, or Frank Fontaine. Okay, El Brendo, this is take one. We want you to play a caveman. Boy, I miss the old days. <laughs> okay, you're gonna be. Um, we want you to play Peanut Number Two in this one. Okay, and action. Boy, I miss the old days. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what? I mean, that's really cool. It's like I sweat bullets trying to come up with something new after about 35 years in the business. Well, how, how do you, when you when they give you a character like Farnsworth, and you, yes. you, you just, if I have this right, a combination of Burgess Meredith and Frank Morgan? Yeah. A little kind bit. Kind of. It, you, do you go home and just, and just futz around and try all these different voices in your repertoire until something works? Do you do it right there in the studio? I saw a picture of him. He's old, real old, and they said he's 147 years old. And I physically, I hardly ever do this, but in the booth I shook myself because if you were 147, you'd, mm-hmm. first of all, you look at his head and it looks like airplane food. It's, just, it's like <laughs> right. a diseased piece of chicken with skin wrapped around it. Did you have the chicken? <laughs> and... Um, and he would, uh, you know, he would probably shake it. He probably farted dust. He was 147, I'm telling you. He's <laughs> like, uh, good news, everyone. Uh, bad news. They were, they were great. They were so great. It's, 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 who else does Burgess Meredith? Oh, but, yes. but Billy West. <laughs> well, Burgess Meredith was like, he'll knock you into tomorrow. You know, and, and that wasn't quite the professor, but Frank right. Morgan was that, right. you know, uh, 
Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Goodbye. I think a little, a little bit of Larry. For some reason, Larry Storch's Mister Whoopi from, oh. from Tennessee Tuxedo co- comes to mind. Oh, that's right. A little. A, he he did. Uh, yeah. A little touch Finish of that. Jay Whoopi, you're the greatest. And he said, "You're gonna give us a little preview," and he'd be like. I'll give you a little preview on the BB, you know, the the three-dimensional blackboard, the 3D BB. (laughs) You know what? I heard stories like he was the one who came up with the Judy, Judy, Judy joke. Really? Oh, oh, he told that on this podcast. Oh, I don't remember the the impression. Shame on me. He was performing at a club, and someone said to him, "Uh, "Judy Garland is in the audience." And he just out of nowhere started going, Judy, Judy, Judy. <laughs> and that's where it came from. Yeah. That's and now trying to sound like Cary Grant. And now everybody believes that Cary Grant said Judy, Judy, Judy. Oh. That's cool. Wow. That's cool shit. When I saw those two big, beautiful boobs, I knew what to do. <laughs> Bill, Jerry, they how so good. Go ahead. What? I was going to ask, did you ever meet Howard Morris in your travels? I know you were a big Sid Caesar guy when you were a kid, and he did a lot of voices for, for Hanna-Barbera. I've met um, Howard Morris. I've met Sid Caesar. I've met Carl Reiner. Oh, wow. So that's quite the trio there. Yeah. Because you know? oh, I know that show God. meant a lot to you when you were young. It did mean Sid Caesar was the first televised image I ever saw. You know, and he'd be like... Uh, He'd be just gibbering in something that sounded like Italian. That's yes. real hard to do. Don't they touch him? Dola Bella Vaguzza gonna go shoo, shoo. Praise Mogbai ti prego pongi, pongi. Well, we we had Tony Sandler on from yeah. Sandler. Do you remember and Sandler and Young? Yes. We had Tony Sandler here and a couple, oh my a couple God. of weeks ago. He said. He himself speaks six languages fluently, and he would go on stage with um, Sid Caesar, and uh, Tony Sandler would actually speak the language, and Sid Caesar would be next to him doing a complete mock version of the language, and people would think, oh my God, Sid Caesar speaks that language. Oh, yeah. You know where he learned that? He grew up in Yonkers. He was the son of a store owner. Alongside the river there, there was like a store where sailors from other countries, you know, they'd pull up and they'd go in there and have breakfast and all that. And Sid would wait tables. And at every table, there was a bunch of guys from different countries. You know, he'd go by a table full of Germans, you know, and then he'd walk away. (laughs) You know, (laughs) yes, the seekers are sound to shade off the Schweinkopf. Oh, man. What and, a, what, and a, what a t- what a gift he had. We had on Carl Reiner, who said, oh. Carl Reiner said that he can do, you know, uh, foreign gibberish. Yes, but nowhere near as well as Sid Caesar. But Carl was real inventive. Yeah. Yes, he he was he had a different take on that gibberish. You know, it's really hard to do stuff like that. It's not like anybody does that anymore. And the the genius of it was. They would throw in little key words that would let the audience know what they were talking about. <laughs> you know, um, um, let's see. Jean Claudin, les salucans, chez Big Boobs. And 
I also heard Sid Caesar when he wasn't in character. Mm-hmm. It's almost like he didn't exist. He was really out of place. Oh, yeah. Not sure who he was or. Well, there's that story that he was accepting an award and he, he got tongue tied oh, yes. and Mel Brooks yelled from the audience, Sid, do it in German. And suddenly he snapped to attention. He came alive and was able to, yeah. to turn it on. Wow. That can yeah. be a problem. They said that about Peter Sellers, too. Uh, they yeah. said that these these guys who were great mimics and... and uh, they were great, great in character. Sellers and had it's the like dialect gift. They didn't exist if they um, weren't doing I'm not character. of that caliber genius, so <laughs> I... <laughs> there is a part of me that actually exists. There's a real person home. <laughs> well, I, I want to ask a question to both of you guys. You know, and, yes. and, and Bill, you've said you grew up in a sonic world and you, you heard things that other kids didn't hear, as well as your, your famous misspent youth that, oh, you, that. that you told us about last time. But, and, and same thing for you, Gilbert, because Gilbert's obviously yeah. also a gifted mimic. I mean, oh, God, he, yes. He does the best. wonderful. I mean, there's no better James Mason or Irving no. Villachez anywhere. There's no better person that can boil anybody down to their bare essence and put it it across with a noise instead of words or inflections. You know, David Brenner. (laughs) 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 You know, hunting, you know, decoys, ducks. What's that bit, the the David Brenner bit? Yeah, I used to say... I I went hunting one day. Yeah, I sometimes go out hunting for David Brenner's. (laughs) And I'm there with my hunting dog. And I take out my Brenner call. Have you neighborhood was Have you heard his John MacGyver, Bill? Have John heard, MacGyver. Have you heard anyone do John MacGyver? Um, only John MacGyver. Listen yeah. to this. Listen, Pray listen with this. me, Joe Buck. Yeah, Get on to... your knees, Joe Buck. Give me a little bit. Everything in this company must be run according to my specifications. (laughs) We will have no slackers allowed in this organization. (laughs) Is that the big store? Is that a Jerry Lewis movie? Oh, my God, yes. He was the head of the department Not the big store. What's the name of that one? Who's who's mining the store? Who's mining the store? Right, 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 right. And then they try to star him in a sitcom after that. And uh, it was called Many Happy Returns. That's correct. Oh, that's right. Bless your heart. Half a season, if that. And he was the head of a returns department in a in a in a what do you call it a department store return gifts. And he would always come up with something that would make people, you know, go back and not want to give it back. He would say, "You know what you can do with a broken toaster." (laughs) (laughs) I liked him on um, uh, Midnight. What was it? Midnight uh, Cowboy. Yeah. Midnight Cowboy. Get on your knees, Joe Buck. Pray with me, Joe Buck. Oh, Joe Buck, you're going to love it here. And then he was pre- they were praying in front of a big lit-up shrine, like uh-huh. a circus billboard. Oh, and I remember he goes, you got a strong back. You're going to need it, Joe Buck. <laughs> <laughs> what were they trying to say? Who knows? <laughs> Because all he wanted was him to kneel and yes. pray with him. I put that MacGyver sitcom on a par with the Pruitts of Southampton with uh, with ah. Phyllis Diller. <laughs> <laughs> and also Paul Ford and the Baileys of Balboa. Wow. <laughs> that came on the same year Gilligan did. That's it just, right. It, 
laid in a ditch and died. Yep. I mean, I think uh, with John MacGyver, he <clears throat> was destined to be a great second banana. Yeah. Yes. He should have been a recurring character in someone else's sitcom. Always. How, how thrilled he would have been to know that he has talked about this much <laughs> on this fucking show. <laughs> John MacGyver. His oh. own offspring. Don't know who yeah. he was. He's got a son who's How an come? actor, Boris oh, MacGyver. Oh, my I God. Think you, we know more about him than the, than the son does. But I was going to ask this question. At what point, Bill, if you were developing mimicry, mimicry skills, at, at what point did, did you say, this this could work for me? This is more than just... You know, I um, I liked of, the, the idea around. that I, I could mimic certain people or certain characters and stuff, but... It, it was like it dawned on me real early that you'd become a footnote, uh-huh. you know, in voiceover history if you didn't invent one. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So it was great to, to be part of a franchise, you know, like like the Warner Brothers stuff. And uh, but uh, I wanted I I wanted someone to show me a picture just like they did in the 1940s at Termite Terrace. You know, they show Mel Blanc. What do you think? And they'd show him drawings, and he would go, you know. He's, what did he say one time? They wanted me to do a character named Porky Pig. And uh, so I went out to the farm. I went up to Oregon, and I slopped around in the pigsty with the pigs. <laughs> Just to hear them. And they, and he said they went, reet, 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 reet. And then he was going, reet, 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 reet. That's all for that, folks. <laughs> sure you did. Fantastic. <laughs> what, what about the guy Arthur Q. Bryan that did uh, that did Elmer Fudd? Did, didn't, yeah. didn't June Foray say he was a pervert? Nah, she said, oh, he liked little boys. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm breaking news here. Elmer Fudd hello. was a pervert. <laughs> hello, hello. <laughs> this is Nambwa. <laughs> The man, a new the man for you, boy, Wava Association. <laughs> I'm not doing it right because I'm giddy. Now, I'm I, there was I that, apologize. There was that great story of Mel Blanc got into a car accident yeah. that nearly killed him, and he was in a, a coma, and the doctor kept saying to him, you know, uh, you know, Mel, Mr. Blank, would you please speak to us? And it never worked. And then finally, the doctor goes, uh, I want to speak to Bugs Bunny. And he came out with a perfect Bugs Bunny. He goes, and that's right, folks. Yeah. And uh, he said his characters were alive in him, but he was like practically brain dead. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And he, he said, after that, he would ask him, he goes, you know, is, uh, I want to speak to Daffy Duck now. And mm-hmm. he would come out with a perfectly hysterically funny Daffy Duck, but he <laughs> no. couldn't. He couldn't say hello in his no. own voice. It didn't. He was in a coma. Yeah. Well, that doctor was a genius, man. How come we yeah. have people like that now? You, you, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you in guys, case anything happens to us, you know. You, you guys uh, want to try something out for our uh, for our listeners? Yeah, Bill, I sent you something. Oh. Hey, yeah, uh, this, you this, want me to do? We're we gonna do dueling Frank Fontaines or something. <laughs> I thought we, I, was, I thought we tried dueling Peter Laurie's first. 
crazy since he asked for it. Oh, yeah. Hi, you Drew. <laughs> Hi, you Mr. Danny. Yeah. <laughs> Last night, I went out with the fuck watch it. <laughs> He should have just said punchlines. He should have just said punchlines because it took too long to that. You know, it's like he should have just went, I don't mind you fucking my daughter. (laughs) Quit quit using my ass as a scoreboard. (laughs) (laughs) For a nickel, I will. (laughs) (laughs) Having a stroke. The aristocrat. <laughs> Don't you think it would be just, it's perfect if if you know who he is and you know the stupid joke, you, you could see it coming up 6th Avenue if they just let out the punchline. And what's so just funny, funny, they would use that name Farquhar on, yes. the, on the Gleason show. And even then, as a kid, like everyone watching, go, oh, you know, it, it sounds kind of like fuck. Well, like when Laughing would do Funkin' Wagnalls. Oh, yes. It was the same, the same trick. And also, <laughs> oh, who were the ones that— I didn't know that. Who was the ones that all looked alike? The, the fam- Farkle family. Farkle. Far- Mark and Another Farkle, one. Sparkle, and the twins, Simon yes. and Garfarkle. <laughs> yeah, see, they don't make good things like that anymore. And Dick, what happened to the Farkles and the, Dick, Dick and the Martin, Pinky Lees? And the, <laughs> Soupy Saleses. Dick Martin was the neighbor, Ferd Burfel. Oh, yeah, and they all looked like him. Yeah, and and Jonathan Winters was Officer Phil McCorkle. (laughs) They probably just let him go. Yep. They probably oh, yeah. just let you want to you, you try this dueling. Uh, this, this is, is Speed of Lord. This is one of Gilbert's favorites, and uh, Billy okay. knows his way around this one too. So you're each, each part is marked. This is dueling Peter Lorre's. Will people be able to watch this because you'll have to take the camera and put it on a Dutch angle for there's those no, old German no... expressionistic films <laughs> that he was in, like a Batman lair. I'd like a couple of hamburgers, please, <laughs> and make and make them raw. Go ahead, Bill. Okay. Okay. Reek, I hope you're more impressed with me now. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'll share my luck with your roulette wheel. But Johnny, not tonight. I'm, I'm sleepy. We'll do it tomorrow or the next day. Okay, okay, Johnny. Okay, we'll do it. But the, the quick way, huh? The quick twist, like in London. <laughs> You know, it's there all the time, driving me out to wander the streets, following me silently, but I can feel it there. It's me pursuing myself. I want to escape, to escape from myself, but it's impossible. I saw that eye, the eye that kept winking and blinking. I I ran out of gas. (laughs) I can't escape. That hand, the hand was... Matt, I remind you, Mr. Speed, that you may have the Falcon, but we certainly have you. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Speed, I want that black bird. (laughs) 
Where's that blackbird? Where's my gunsel? I looked up gunsel in the dictionary. Uh, oh, yeah. And there's two definitions, a man with a gun and the other, a guy who likes younger companions. Really? Like, as a punk. Well, you they, know, like, they were playing a lot with the gay angle. With Wilmer. That's Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With That's Wilmer and also Peter Laurie, who has a scented business card. Joel Cairo. And yeah. Bogart makes that face like... Ah, send them right in. Yeah, bring in your gunsel. And uh, I looked it up, so there was an extra dimension to that. You, you bundled it! You and your stupid attempt to buy it! <laughs> Go ahead, Gil. Kevin found out how valuable it was. No wonder we had such an easy time stealing it. You, you imbecile! <laughs> you fat, bloated idiot! You stupid fathead, you! Um, that was borrowed for Ren and Stimpy. Thank you, thank you, Gilbert. Thank you. Can you me over some night if you're brave enough? <laughs> we'll sit around and. <laughs> why, don't you, why don't you bring your gunsel in here? You wind them, you dine them, and you put them in your back pocket. And there's a part in uh, Maltese Falcon where Peter Laurie is there with a fancy handle, metal cane handle, and he's holding the cane, and he's rubbing the uh, handle of the cane against his mouth as he's talking. Now we know. Yeah. Now Now we get it. What a choice, though, huh? Yeah, what a it choice was Peter Laurie made. Yeah, yeah, and like M, you know, it is not I did him crazy. It is I who am mad. <laughs> <laughs> there was a little section that you read there from M. That was the third one. That was, by yeah. the way, for our listeners, if they're curious, that was from Arsenic and Old Lace, M, Casablanca, and Maltese Falcon. Obviously, nice job, guys. That was wonderful he, and disturbing. He, he thinks he murdered his father. <laughs> we borrowed we borrowed that for Renna Stimpy. He murdered you. And and in in uh, arsenic and old lace. I mean they wound up getting uh Raymond Massey. Yeah, it was Karloff, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I thought, God, that would have been so great. Lori and Karloff. Well, what's weird together. is that Capra leaves the Karloff jokes in the movie. Yes. And it's not Karloff. Yeah, and so it's not So the joke funny. doesn't make any sense because yeah. now it's Raymond Massey. Oh. He was the only, I guess he was the ultimate Abe Lincoln impressionist because oh, he, yes. heard, yeah. he heard old records of Lincoln yeah. speaking, old, you know, phonograph records, phonos or whatever. And, uh, and I guess the great grandson heard Raymond Massey. You sound just like my, you know, great grandfather or my grandfather. Wow, or that's cool. Back in the old days, and, that's cool. And now I'm the Lincoln go-to. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, you are the Lincoln go-to. Million, million ways to die in the West. Of course, the View. You were on the View as Lincoln. You know, by the way, the two guys who played that part on Broadway, who played Doctor Einstein and Jonathan Brewster, were Abe well, Vigoda. Oh, and one of them, a uh, uh, crane. Did, no, oh. Crane was in the TV in the movie. TV movie. Yeah. In the TV Caranium. movie. Bob Crane. Bob Crane. Yeah. Yeah, he played the Cary Grant yes, part. Yes. But but on Broadway, they did it with Marion Ross. 
Oh yeah. And and Jonathan was played the Karloff character was played by Abe Vigoda. And Dr. Einstein was played by Larry Storch. Yes. Yeah. And then Bill Hickey. You know, Larry Storch had to throw up before he ever performed. Like if he was going to go yes. out and do a set, he had to throw up. Yes. And I finally met with him. And I said, can I ask you a question? Are you like a fly? Where you, have an, <laughs> you have an incomplete nervous system. And every time you eat, you got to throw up immediately to go do something else. <laughs> He's a big he, talent. He was great. And he was so funny. And I remember fun. also in the TV movie, Jack Guilford yeah. was, oh, Einstein. Yeah. was Einstein. Yeah. And I mean, was it was it Vagoda also? I can't in the remember. TV? I got to look that up. I got to look that up. But the, the question, the question before Gil, I want you to answer. Were you doing? Were you mimicking movie actors? Were you mimicking stuff off the TV? At what oh. point did you thought did you start to think this could be something I could run with? It was weird because, you know, I was one of those kids, I'm sure like Billy, uh, who I'd watch way too much TV. All of us. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. and then I started to imitate old movie stars, uh, current actors on shows, and it got me more and more interested in, like, show business. Yep. That's the same thing with me. If I saw a character like Percy Helton. <laughs> <laughs> Love Percy Helton. Steve Stoller does you know a great who Percy Helton. Oh, sure, dude, yes, of course. Yes. Of course. Yeah, we were like cut from the same plant or <laughs> something, the same pod. Um, but I, uh, I've i been using him a little bit lately for animation. And he, he was this frantic little man. Yeah. And he was in this movie where he lived next door to this frowsy, you know, questionable blonde who was trying to hustle up a diner owner in, in behind his wife's back and he'd catch her coming home. And he said, Oh, Billy, you know, he was like, <laughs> I, I want to make you dinner, Billy. <laughs> he had this weird little voice, frantic little man. Oh, I was, saw what you did, Billy. Who was that guy? That weird looking guy. I got a block on his name. Yeah. The red hair. He had like red hair. Very skinny, and he used to do, like, uh, Disney stuff. Sterling Holloway? Uh, yes. No, there wasn't Sterling. He had I red think hair. He was an American. Sterling Holloway had, was, was, he had was red hair. Sterling and he was Holloway? Yeah, he was kind of goofy. Played, yes, he played, yes. He played yes. professors. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Sterling. Yeah. I, I can't do him, but my friend Jim Cummings has been doing Winnie the Pooh forever, and he he just nails it. It's it's it's. You know, you, like you, chilling, how good. Now, yeah. do you do a John Fielder? Oh, Fiedler. Fiedler. John Fiedler. Yeah. <laughs> From he's, another, he's another boy man. Like Percy Helton. <laughs> yeah, boy man. Yep. A little voice. That, you know, he's like, uh, uh, I'm going to make you suffer. Die, die. You're going to die. And he was in 12 Angry Men. That's right. That's right. Yes. I've heard about enough of this. <laughs> Who was the guy? Who's the guy that Stoliard did on the show? Um, Percy Kilbride? Do I, uh, do I have the right actor? I can't. Who was? Who played Pa, Ma, uh, pa Kettle? Percy, for Percy, Percy Kilbride. <laughs> yeah, do I? And Marjorie Maine was uh, Ma Kettle. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Of, I, I, I think I got the. I think I got the wrong guy. It'll come to me. I think really? I. I think I remember as a kid, watching TV, 
and going, ask not what your country can do for you. <laughs> ask what you can do for your country. Well, you, <laughs> but were you doing the, the, the MacGyvers and the James and the James Masons as a kid? No, give him yeah. a moment. Give him, let him bask in some glory here. He just did John F. Kennedy. And he has the most evil John F. Kennedy joke I ever heard in my life. Oh, my God. Yeah, I used His to— His head wouldn't stop bleeding, so they put a box of tampons in it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it I was, but it was awful, Gilbert, what terrible, was the and it was funnier joke? than hell. No, I, uh, I, well, I do. I did have a joke. I said, I was, I was at a party, and I ran into Jackie Onassis, <laughs> and I wanted to play a little party game to help break the ice. So I said, Do you remember where you were, and what you do? And she just walked away. <laughs> Oh, ask not what Marilyn Monroe can do for you. <laughs> ask what you can do for Marilyn Monroe. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast. But first, a word from our sponsor. Now, were you telling us this story? Someone was that they had these girls called the After Ten Girls. That wasn't my story. No. No. I, Someone I, told Yeah, it I know the story, but I don't remember who told it. That were basically like hookers on the payroll. They were had an acting contract, and someone said Marilyn Monroe was one of those. Um, at the risk of incurring, um, you know, like modern day thinking, you know, progressive thinking. Yes. It was like we knew when if like the producer or the director was having sex with a particular woman because out of nowhere for no reason at all the most beautiful woman in the world would walk by a desk and stop and you know play with her hair and then keep walking once mm -hmm. the whole thing mm -hmm. and and you said yeah 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 the producer yeah yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. he's humping her all right oh is he ever some humper he was. You, you mentioned Jim Cummings, who's a big talent. We had Rob Paulson here. Oh, Robbie. He's I don't the, know how he's you guys. I, I, he's just, he's amazing. I don't know how you guys do what you do. Oh, you, no, you know, it's just, um, I get inspired. You know, the, I knew a lot of, well, not a lot, but a few voice guys that were extremely jealous of anybody else that was doing a part because they secretly thought they could do it better. And it's like. The same tide raises all boats. I used to come into a session and see Jimmy Cummings firing on all eight cylinders, and I'd be like, yeah, man, geez, look at this guy go. Look at who I'm part of here, uh, Robbie Paulson and Maurice mm -hmm. LaMarche, all those yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah, and you and Welker, of course, who's— Oh, Frank, he's other, the Mac other, Daddy. Otherworldly. Yeah. Frank, Frank Welker was the tiger in Aladdin yeah. and mm -hmm. the monkey. He, what he, the sounds that he makes come out of his body— Yes, he has or, control or, over every chamber in that body. He can do dogs. You know, like when the dog is mad, they can't make the dog bark mad. You know, he can. they can teach him to chase somebody, but Frank would have to do a mad dog or a laughing dog or a happy dog, but make it sound like a dog. And what's so funny about guys with that talent, mm -hmm. like Frank Welker and a few others who are 
brilliant that animal sounds, mm -hmm. uh, is that they'll do nature documentaries, nature specials, that they'll film in Africa, and they'll hire these guys to be the sounds of the jungle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, but, yeah. But can no, they do ahead. Jerry? The, can they do Jerry the Belly Button Elf? <laughs> oh, one of my favorites. And they used you for a piece of corn that was riding the colon subway. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, there was a penny. Things that couldn't be digested, so they'd wind up in this yep. subway on the colon and played that city music. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a penny and, and corn sitting next. <laughs> and I remember with that, they called it Jerry the Belly Button Elf because they originally wanted Jerry Lewis. Oh. And then when they hired me, I started throwing in like a yeah, lot yeah, of you... Lewis, like, hi, with, with the Lint Loaf. And the thing with the person, I hate Lindloaf. Women, women are not funny. <laughs> did he say that once? Yeah, he did. <laughs> I don't know so many words, but he did. Your story about meeting Jerry, too, is, is a fun one, Bill. Oh, when I backstage. said I went backstage with, oh, gosh, who was it? It was Tom Kane, who played the mayor on... Um, uh, what's that cartoon? The, the Powder Powerpuff Girls. Uh huh. He went with us, and Tom Kenny. Oh, Tom's another guy. Yeah. So great. Talent. Tom's the funniest thing in pants. So so here we are. We're going to meet Jerry Lewis. Our knees are knocking, you know. And uh, we'd made arrangements, but but they they got his manager, and they said we want to come back and meet Jerry. Well, look, everybody wants to meet Jerry. I don't know if I can accommodate you. Well, we're on all the Nickelodeon cartoons. His daughter Danielle, the eight year old. Knows and uh, all right, I'll call you back. Guy calls right back immediately. Jerry will see you right after the show in the dressing room. So I come in into the dressing room with these other guys, and uh, there were posters of all of his movies in glass frames and stuff. And his little daughter's walking around, and she has no idea who that is. Oh, you know, she has no idea yeah. that, that he once was in an elevator going. I'm looking for Mr. Baywold. Baywold. No, no, Mr. Bay Wolzenthal. Mr. Baywold. Bay. Bay. Ben. Ben. You know, she had no idea. And um, so we went in, and there he was. He was in a red windbreaker. And I always thought he was tall, and he was like, sort of like my size, which is really kind of short. He probably shrunk a little, but, but he— but he was going to take a picture with all of us, and there were plants in his room, and he and he finessed one of the biggest fern leaves, like where his ass is, you know. So before the picture, it would spring up between his legs, <laughs> and and he went, he di he did the perfect thing you'd think he would do. Did you see that? I grew a fern. I grew a fern. Did you see that? <laughs> and so I. Uh, good. I said, Jerry, I went to, I walked for about three, four, five miles to go to the Royal Theater in Royal Oak, Michigan to watch you do a stage show. He was promoting the movie, um, The Nutty Professor. And I said, I couldn't wait to see you. I wanted to see you so bad. And he goes, 
Well, never mind that. Boy, was I horrid for that picture. <laughs> That's what he thought of a personal appearance. <laughs> he was whoring. Stars used to come and show up in theaters. You know, people don't remember that. Yes, but. yes. You guys want to talk a little Stooges? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Joe Dorita. <laughs> Let's talk now, about Joe Dorita. Fucking Joe Dorita's family yes. owns the for the Three Stooges fortune. How did he pull that? I, he was the zero talent. Was he the only one living at the time? He might have been the only one standing. So. But, but you see, one day Mo's daughter wasn't looking. <laughs> he sounds like that. You're not. You're not going to hit me, are you, buddy boy? <laughs> yeah, buddy boy was buddy his big boy. Thing. Yeah, it was like. Uh, you know, a schmuck, and he would go, buddy boy. Yeah, and it's like, I I just always felt like it, it's like they needed a third one, and they went out in the street and saw a fat, bald guy. <laughs> yeah. Said, yeah, that's all it was. Good enough. Yeah. Joe Dorita was in those old short subjects that um, I think, uh, who was it made those? Um. Gosh, Columbia. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of guys like Ben Turpin had short subject and Hugh Herbert. And oh, that's Shemp right. Shemp had his own uh, short subject. Oh, and the Pete Smith. Pete Smith, yeah. Yeah, and so did um, um, Edgar Kennedy. Did he have did he have yeah, shorts too? Yeah. yeah, he did. He did. But they and they used Joe Dorita. He had a short or something like that, and uh, he was he was trying to fix a refrigerator. <laughs> You know, these these new inventions are throwing me. You know, and I just thought, ah, wow, that's great. That's Joe Dorita, all right. You know, hey, Mo. <laughs> you know, hey, Mo, you think we did the wrong thing by letting that Joe Dorita in here? <laughs> the trio is losing its dynamic. Yeah, you're probably right. Oh, Joe. You know. I don't want to stop him. Did Besser steal, Joe Besser steal his act from Baby Schnooks? From the radio? Uh, yes. Yeah, because that, oh, that was oh, the, shut up, the sticky thing. I don't thing. have to, you. I don't know. He was. Uh, it was a little Burt Lar. Yeah. Yeah. And a little he baby rocked, schnooks. He rocked to a certain degree, but but nothing that could schnorr in on the dynamic between Larry and uh, Mo. I didn't know he, he was contractually prevented from being hit, Joe Besser. I knew he oh, didn't yeah. want to be. Yeah. He didn't want to be hit. I didn't wait a minute. Know it was you want to be a stooge. You can't wait your whole life. They find your numbers up. They finally make you a stooge, and you can't be hit. <laughs> yeah. pussy. Imagine the stooges without <laughs> violence. It's like, hey Mo, I'm looking out this window at the ocean. Yeah, it's pretty placid, isn't it, Porcupine? You know, it's like, even though they claim ships and it claims lives. Yeah, but what I like about the ocean is the way it slaps around the boats, like I used to do to you and Kurt. <laughs> no violence. No violence. I was watching a short. Uh, we I was fucked up with Joe Dorita, Mo. Come on, say it. <laughs> I was watching Disorder in the Court. I'm still trying to figure out why, there, why there's a letterpress in the courtroom. Oh, of course. <laughs> so, so Curly can get his head put in there. Yeah, well, that just, uh, they had stuff like that in official buildings, you know, um, 
federal buildings and right. stuff. You had to have a letter press. Yeah. But, <laughs> but the funniest thing in that you stupid movie is one thing that the judge said. You know, the, this parrot comes in out of nowhere, and he saw everything, and the parrot's giving them clues, and he goes, ha, 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 oh, find the letter, find the letter. And the judge says in all seriousness, what does this parrot mean by find the letter? <laughs> Dead on. I mean, I didn't laugh at anything else in that except when Mo sw- swallowed the harmonica. <laughs> and and but, then there was one movie where they're in a high society, uh, of course, dinner party, and, they, and they're making a cake. And they say to the woman, oh, uh, shit, no, the woman goes, I reach into the cabinet and get me the marshmallows. <laughs> and there's one box marked clearly marshmallows, <laughs> and right next to it, the other one is bubble gum. <laughs> now, why would a high society, society woman matron have, yeah. <laughs> have yeah, right a out giant with the silverware box. and the bone china dishes? There's bubble gum. Give him the good bubble gum. <laughs> <laughs> and the good chocolate. By the way, that judge in Disorder in the Court, this is yes. really weird trivia, was played by an actor named Edward LeSaint. And he's notable because he's in Horse Feathers and Duck Soup. Wow. It was all, it was like um, Just crossbreeding oh, yeah. of comedy. Yeah. Yeah. He's, Everybody yeah. was everywhere. Yeah. Vernon Dent. Oh, he was he, great. You know, I thought he was like this big snapping turtle, always played a. Such a put out man, or pissed off, yeah. or at his wits' end, and he played guitar. Wow! <laughs> you know, he played. As a matter of fact, he was in some movie, and the movie poster had him holding an electric guitar. Wow! Jeez! Didn't he go blind? Yes. Vernon Dent. Yeah, Vernon Dent in his last years was blind, uh. and someone told me a story that Mo used to stop over and visit him. And whenever Mo stopped over his house, he brought a bag of groceries that oh. he'd secretly put in the refrigerator. And then put his head in a letterpress. <laughs> oh, you. What's the matter with you? He's telling a really heartfelt <laughs> Sorry. story. I apologize. Will we, here's the question. Will we do those things? Will, will you ever to go to the nursing home and ask for George Lopez? <laughs> He's in 306. <laughs> what's what's in that bag, sir? Oh, oh some oranges. <laughs> a Clark bar. I can't go on. <laughs> oh. And Shemp used Shemp. to appear in Abbott and Costello movies. He did indeed. Yes. Yes. Yeah, he played like some Navy cook when they were at sea. Oh Just yeah, see him be a t- uh, you know a put out Navy cook. Yeah, he was mis- miscast. I think he's in. The, he's either in Buck Privates or Buck Privates Come Home. I think he's in. Yeah, I think he's in one of those two. I hope I'm not misspeaking. Billy, I learned from you. Yes, that Shemp and Lon Chaney Jr. That there was an attempt to put them together as a poor man's Abbott and Costello. Wow, Jigsaw and Benny the Bounce. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know this? Well, I have to be able to go. <laughs> Or nothing doing, kid. Did you know Nothing this? doing, kiddo. 
No. They were no. paired in a movie called San Antonio Rose, and they did a, a very poor man's Abbott and Costello act. I oh my would God. love to have seen Whatever that. happens in that room, whatever you hear, lock the door. Don't <laughs> let me out after midnight. What do you know about oh, fake shit? Come on, I brought home a six pack, Lou. <laughs> what do you know about fake shit? No, it's the wolf man. <laughs> I don't oh, know. yeah. I don't fake know. Shemp. Yeah. I don't know. Joe Parma. Joe Parma? Fake shemp. Oh, if, the fake shemp. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Where did they shemp, find him? Shemp one had of the died, <laughs> and they still had three shorts. They had a complete. Oh, because they said the back of your neck looks like shemp. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you look like you got your hair cut with a bowl from a Chinese restaurant. And he moved around. The best way to explain it was he moved around like on Seinfeld. Where it was George Steinbrenner. He would like start running sideways and yes. bouncing from side to side. And that's what Phony Shemp used to do. He'd yep. like like jump from foot to foot to make himself like wobble so you couldn't see the face. Oh. Can you imagine some actor that was his ambition to be a phony Shemp? And, and Shemp was voted ugliest man in Hollywood in 1940. No! Oh, come on, fellas. Haunted houses have bats. What a hideous monster's face. You guys want to try this one? Well, for less? Okay. Yeah, who's who? Okay. You, you, would be, you would be in the Gilbert. Oh, this one. Yeah, this one here. Uh, let's see. Now, I thought that Billy could do his choice of Jay Leno or Larry Fine. For which character? You would be, you would be Tommy. Okay. And Gilbert, you would be Henry. I'll do the best yeah. I can. Uh, you, <laughs> well, who do you want to do? You want to do, you want to do Larry? No, I'll do, I'll do Jay. I you just, do Leno? I'll do the best that I can. Okay. And Gil, why don't I you? don't come in to suck. It's really my intention to do something as well as I can. You know, and I'll admit it if it's piss poor or if well, it's we don't have to ass. use it. What do you, who do you want to do? You want to do James Mason? Uh, okay. All right. <clears throat> so I'm Henry Hill. Yep. Okay. I feel like it's an audition. Uh, Gilbert Godfrey and I'm here to read for Henry Hill. <laughs> I'll read you in. Yes. <laughs> you're a pistol. You're really funny. You're really funny. Uh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a second. Wait, what do you mean I'm funny? Oh, oh, uh, oh, oh, yes. Yeah. It's 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 funny. You know, it's a it's a good story. It's. A, it's funny. You're you're a funny guy. Well, wait a second. Wait a minute. You you mean you you like the way I? Eh? <laughs> what? It's, it's just you know you're you're funny. It's it's funny. You know the way the way you tell the story and everything. Okay. Okay. Come on now. Funny how? What's funny about it? Just. I had to do that low J voice. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? We have a great show next week. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll do it. Just. What? What? 
just, you know, you're, you're funny. Wait a second. Wait, wait a minute now. You mean, let me understand this because, yeah. And you know, maybe it's uh, me. Maybe I'm a little fucked up, you know, but I'm funny how? Funny like a clown? I amuse you? <laughs> I make you laugh? I'm here to fucking amuse you? What do you mean funny? Funny how? Teach me how to be funny because I need late night shows again. <laughs> Just, you know, how you tell a story. What? No. No. No, I I don't know. You said it. How do I know? You said I'm funny, okay? Well, how the fuck am I funny? What the fuck is so funny about me? Tell me what's funny. Get the fuck out of here, Tommy. (laughs) <laughs> oh, you motherfucker. I almost had him. I went, yeah. You stuttering, you stuttering prick, you? I'm running out of uh, insults and invectives. Frankie, was he shaking? I wonder about you sometimes, Henry. You, you may fall under, uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny. Bizarre. I can do the high-pitched Jay Leno voice, but... This is the first time I've heard the deep Jay Leno voice. We got a great show for you next week. <laughs> Winter Marsalis. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they tried to book Marty Ingalls, and I, I said no. I said tacit. No, you know what this is though. Gilbert does the same. You profile a situation that could have happened or could never happen in a zillion years. Uh, You just profile what on earth they would have said. Yes. Because when Gilbert and I aren't doing characters, I think we run out of stuff to say at the very same time, (laughs) 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 and it's awkward. Can I, can I ask you a couple of questions from the fans, Bill? Yes. This is... <laughs> yeah, why not? You know, I, I like to answer again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard anybody do the range of Leno either, yeah. the, the high and the low. It's brilliant. <laughs> but it is like we're running of stuff to say, and then we're basically like voices coming out with stuff. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, uh, oh, I don't know. Just pick somebody. Captain Kangaroo. Oh, oh, yes. mis- oh Mr. Moose. <laughs> <laughs> this is from Ray Gustini, one of our listeners. He says, Bill, love you. Marge shot, missed out on the entire steroid era in baseball. Would she have any thoughts in retrospect? <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what white players do. I don't care how they win. Come on, it's the future. If you want to stick needles in your ass with junk and juice in it, like a like a pegboard, <laughs> like a pin, like a, a goddamn pincushion, <laughs> go right ahead. Roger Clemens, he was my hero. <laughs> Here's another one from Thad oh, Komarowski. Hey Billy, we all know Futurama, Ren and Stimpy. Are there any roles that you wish? Any roles of yours that you wish were better known or that more people got a chance to hear? No. I was a journeyman. I From day one, I just said, I'm happy to have a goddamn job. You know, I was yeah. happy. I, I didn't care who did what. I didn't care who liked what. It was just an assignment. And, of course, I fell in love with, with everything 
that I did, but some stuff, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the pitch might be low and inside, you know? Well, it, it's funny. What always got me, uh, you know, you'll hear black actors say, well, they always cast me as a gang member. Or women would say, I was just the girlfriend. And I thought, you're being cast. Yes. Yeah. It's a job, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> What's the matter with you? I, you know, my, my uncles would be up, like, in heaven right now, my old Irish uncles. You had a chance to work for 18 hours a day, and you didn't do it. You, you fucking asshole. <laughs> you arsehole. Because they worked. They would get so drunk, they would, you know, go past happy hour. It'd get to be 10, and it's like... Oh, Jesus, they're going to be closing down. So he would just leave his stool and go down to work and sleep in the doorway till it was time for them to open up for work. <laughs> Amazing. Wow. Amazing. Come on, wow. get up, you bums. You want to work? Yeah. yeah. How, how did you come to succeed uh, Casey as, as Shaggy, Bill? Is there because, any story attached to it? Yeah, there is. He was a, uh, a vegan or a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. And he finally... Like, he took this really serious, the shaggy role, and he was in the middle of one of the lines, and I guess he said something like, you know, come on, Scoob, let's get a Scooby snack. Why does it always have to be meat? You know, he just started pontificating. (laughs) 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 Why don't they eat vegetables? You know, and so he he didn't want to do it anymore. You know? It was a gig, you dummy. The same thing. Yeah. yeah. You take, keep the gig. Is there anything? Yeah, what's, what's wrong? Someone wrote that. You didn't write that. I, I always <laughs> felt like if God came down and said, from now on, you'll work constantly, but you'll only be the Pierre, the French chef. I go fine. <laughs> I would too. Yeah. I would too. Slap I mean, I wouldn't. the mustache on me and fine. I wouldn't, uh, you know, sit there and laugh while they're stealing my shoes. I'd try to make the best deal I could for Frenchie, the French chef, or Pierre. (laughs) Ricky, the bricklayer. Yes, yes. You love that Casey Kasem tape, by the way? Yes. The the infamous tape? Yes. With Snuggles? I know you're- It's about a little dog named Snuggles. You know, and he's yelling and saying, by the way- why am I sitting here doing a goddamn death dedication <laughs> to a dog? You know that tape, Gil? Yes. It's oh, it's a you know, who's funnier, you know who's funnier than that? His wife. Jean Kasem? Yeah. She started throwing hamburger at the police when they came to, to see if he was there to get him out of there. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Go ahead. You want meat? Meat, take it. You know, referring to her husband, but she never set that up. So she's throwing ham- raw hamburger at the cops. Yeah, and I, my I, big goofy wife, Jean. Yeah, I remember. He says, I'm supposed to do an introduction, and I'm talking about a fucking dog dying. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> Snuckles. Hey, you know what it means that he was discerning with his American Top 40? <laughs> Not like that dopey Shadow Stevens. You're also a fan of the Buddy Rich tape. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, God. How dare you motherfuckers play like that for me? Play that shit for me? You play like fucking children out there. I should come over there with a a pail and a shovel and some sand. Maybe you'll play better for me. You know, he was just, he was out of his mind. Clams. And and then there was Clams! The 
new what? sounds, new bending. What is this? In the bass, in the trumpet, you got your bells, so shove the fire up your ass. <laughs> and there was the Paul Anka tape. That's another oh. good one. Yeah, that one's like, not that's even. That's the f- fucking <laughs> way it is. No, but I mean, it wasn't funny. It was eerie. Yeah, the guys wear shirts. Because he wrote the Kodak theme, you know. Only yesterday. And Diana. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then you hear this gremlin (laughs) mad at the world. (laughs) What's the matter? What's the matter with you? You were one of the most successful songwriters of all time. Angry guy. I'm a proud Egyptian. (laughs) (laughs) What is it? The guys wear shirts. Yeah, something. <laughs> well, well, Brian Koppelman gave that gave that tape to Pacino when he was when they were making That's o- right. Ocean's Thirteen. I slice like yes. a hammer, so it turns up in the movie. Yeah, and he was saying, "That's the fucking way it is." Yeah, he keeps saying that over and over. <laughs> when I slice, Buddy. I slice like a hammer. Buddy would walk up and down on the tour bus, you know, after a gig, and he'd be like building up his rage, and then he would explode on somebody. And you, what are you doing? Get that beard off. I don't think I will shave it off. You'll shave it off. This ain't the fucking House of David. (laughs) This is a band, the Buddy Rich band, a band with faces. No beards. What what do you do for me? I don't even know who you... You know, and and the guy would say, no, I wrote the chart for... He had an English band, obviously. I wrote the chart for um, I'll Take Manhattan. Oh, yeah? Well, you can take Manhattan and get off this fucking bus right now. <laughs> right now. I'll give you a right-handed through the brain if you have one up there. <laughs> Bill, I know you're a Twilight Zone fan. Did you see Richard Donner on the way out? Did you yes. Let him, yeah. Directed yes. His, he directed the Nightmare at 20,000 Feet. I'm really funny like that. You know, I mean, I, I can't go running up to people. Yeah. You know, it just sort of has to happen. Like, oh, by the way, this is... Uh, yeah, like nobody introduced me to Albert Brooks. I was at this party, and he was looking at me because I think he knows who I am from mm-hmm. the Stern Show. And I didn't know what to say, and I was just kind of like too shy. You know, I don't know. I, I'm weird like that, but um, I'll make sure that I get introduced to him next time. I like oh, him. he's just, uh, just he's wonderful. He's the best. Yeah, and also I, Man from U.N.C.L.E., which was your favorite show as a kid. He directed a lot of those. This is Robert Vaughn. <laughs> Stay. <laughs> Let's see what thrush that evil organization has in store for us next week. And I am Ilya Kuyakin. Like my friend Napoleon, I come and I go. No, and everybody knows the new man from Uncle. But yeah, the old one was just. We got to get David McCallum. Oh, that's right. We got to find him. He's still going strong. Get him on here. Bill, in, yes. the, t- in the time we have left, do you want to talk about the death of Ted Healy, the mysterious death of Ted Healy? Or do you want to talk a little bit about the genesis of Larry Fine at Woodstock, which I'm only doing because I know our listeners want to hear a little bit of it. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Ted Healy, I mean, I don't even know. He's just like, he was not a good leader. He was just like by de facto because he was Moe's friend. He said, I got an idea. You guys just screw around and I'll slap you and warn you. You know, that was his whole uh-huh. thing. But it didn't work. It was never funny. And and he wouldn't he didn't know how to flow with them he was like a square peg but he ran the show but he died he drank himself to death I think well they yeah. say I, he was in a bar fight at the yeah Trocadero. I think he was stabbed to death or beaten, beaten to death beaten they say by Cubby Broccoli yeah. the James Bond producer and his and his cousin who oh was a, wow who was a mob really guy. yeah Wait Cubby Broccoli and his cousin uh, who was married to Thelma Todd 
and Gloria Vanderbilt. And Wallace Beery was there. And apparently <laughs> to spoil he, everything. he picked a fight. <laughs> this, yeah. This, and, this, and maybe it was covered up by, by, the, by the restaurant owners or by, who knows, by the studio. But And no. Ted Healy, I forget, it may have been a Beta Lugosi picture, one of these real low-budget horror movies where he was the wisecracking reporter. Yes. And he kept popping up. And it was one of these things where you go, this guy was with the Stooges? He's not funny yeah. at all. Yeah. He probably, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I had those guys in my family. They thought they were a crack up, you know, and they were all like, you know, these uh, boyos, these Irish boyos with the map of Ireland written on their face. <laughs> you know, and they have a couple of drinks and, you know, I got a dirty, I got a dirty joke for you. Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear about the guy that couldn't come? We had to go get him. You know. <laughs> See me falta. You know, all this Celtic stuff. And it, may, it's, the, may the wind be always up your ass. And and when the Stooges just became the Three Stooges, mm-hmm. it's like Mo became the new Ted Healy. Yeah. He was ordering them around, smacking them. But no, Mo wasn't just like farting around, you know, yeah. while he was not being the boss. He was he was an actor. Yes. You know, he used to go out and do these these shows, probably ten nights. I mean, ten nights in one town, and um, you know, he learned his craft, and he he was good enough to play. Remember when they switched roles one time? There was a Pullman car that that. Um, oh yeah. Larry stole it. It was a train car. It was like a dining car. Yes. And he hid it in the woods, and Mo was the, uh, I'm the state inspector. I heard you had a train car here. I well, think you're it was- sitting on a platform. What do you think it is? You know, and Larry was trying to be um, Stanley Kowalski with a yes. spattered, spattered T-shirt. Hey, what's the big idea saying that crap to my girl? <laughs> and Shemp <laughs> was drunk throughout the whole thing. Yes. He, and they He had- would drink this fire water. He'd be like, you know, no. <laughs> It was all the stooge noises at once. They had a giant canary. Named Carrie. Yeah, he'd show up in a giant scary. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Yeah, it was was kooks on a choo-choo. Oh. No, it was pain in the Pullman. I think pain in the Pullman was another... We're you mean they a, did two of them? We're two having an intellectual in film discussion <laughs> <laughs> oh. about whether it was pain in the Pullman or kooks on a choo I know. We should do dueling Peter Bogdanovich's. <laughs> <laughs> we're analyzing this movie. <laughs> <laughs> analyzing. But you know what? There is nothing better in the world, if you ask me, than sitting down with somebody who will just say something stupid that takes you right back to that. Yes. Takes you right back to that moment. It is funny. Larry is doing this character. Mm -hmm. That's like, uh, that's not at all like Larry. No. And it's, it's when you watch that movie, you go, they must've been dropping acid. 
Because even by Three Stooges standards. But but the year would have made it, um, they probably just saw um, Streetcar Named Desire. Probably the oh, yeah. big film that year. And so, Larry, do you think you can step into a new role, like be the asshole that tells everybody else what to do and be half shot and, uh, oh, I don't know, I'll try it. You know, and it was like, you know. Hey, Stella! You know, because what's-his-ass sounded like Larry a little bit when he was yelling. I can't even remember his name. Some reviewer I am. I, I love when you talk about how the, the the similarities between George O'Hanlon's Jetson and Larry, because they oh, were from the they same were, part. They were both they from, were from fr- Philly. From Philly. The same, yeah. the same sound. There was something in the water there. Or in the, <laughs> there was something in their DNA that blocked their nose to their mouth. It was like a... A roadblock there, because Larry would be like, "Hey Mo, you put too much tinsel in the tree." You know, like when you, you know, when you gotta blow your nose and you can't find a handkerchief. Hey, I gotta blow my nose. You know, and uh, George O'Han was like, "Oh, come on, Janie, honey, the clean is five hundred miles away. It'll take an extra five minutes just to get there." <laughs> We gotta let this Larry, man. You want to come into a nice hot tub of sound waves? <laughs> oh boy, I haven't had a bath in sound waves since July fourth, nineteen ten. A nice hot tub of sound waves. That's what I remember about the Jetsons. <laughs> and they'll get. They'll have them. Oh yeah. Yeah. Life is good. That company. What is it? Life is good. LG. Oh. oh yeah. uh, LG will yeah, come up yeah. with a hot tub of sound waves yeah. for everybody. <laughs> What do you think? Should we wrap okay. it up? Okay. I don't want to leave. You know that. Bill, it's too good. We could do eight hours. I know, but but when I first came on the podcast, Gilbert was going, well, the old clock on the wall says, you know, and I was like, I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. What do you mean you have to go? Are you that busy? <laughs> <laughs> Trying to terrorize me? I'm nervous as it is. Give, give us a little post-stroke, Larry, would you? Oh, boy. Well, <laughs> sorry. Well, Mo came up with the idea to poke you in the eyes, except he didn't really do it. He would just hit over your eyes. I mean, that takes a lot of talent. And then those guys in the factory, the sound factory, would put in the sound effects. <laughs> So hey, what time is it? He said, he has some guy near him. He goes, hey, what time is it? Guy goes, five o'clock. You know, like, like he was late for something. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's all straight. I gotta get, I gotta get to the cafeteria to that pablum dinner. Five o'clock. <clears throat> I don't know. Oh my God. You know what? When I first saw that tape, they just showed the screen, and there he is looking at you because they were waiting yeah. for him. To, he was waiting for them to ask oh, him a question. And it looks yeah. like one of the screens on Star Trek where that head would <laughs> just be there and yes. look at you. Absolutely. <laughs> People of Earth, <laughs> throw away your hot yeah. sticks to shoot metal. Okay, now I have to wrap up. Okay. All right. I love you very much. I hold you in high esteem. Thank you. And you too, Frank. Thank you, Bill. You're the best. <laughs> <laughs> a show like this, 
that needs a producer. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Gilbert Godfrey. This has been Gilbert Godfrey's Amazing Colossal Podcast with my co-host Frank Santo Padre. And we have been talking to one of the kings of the voiceovers, Billy West. Oh, Billy. Thank you, Gilbert. Thank you, you, Frank. You are something else. Thank you, pal. 